Hebrews 11 and verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Let's pray as we receive from the word this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Easter Sunday. Thank you for the promise uh, that we find in it, Christ's resurrection. But, But because he lives, we can live also. And I pray that as we go over this this morning, that you'll be big in our eyes today. You're big every day, but we want to see you as you are, high and lifted up. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts as each one has need and as only you are able. And we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we've been going through Hebrews chapter 11 on our series of living by faith. We know that faith is necessary. It tells us there at the end of chapter 10 that we shouldn't throw away our confidence because it has great reward. That we'll need endurance and that as we do God's will, we'll receive the promise. It says that the righteous will live by faith and we are not like those that draw back. And are destroyed, but we are like those who have faith and are saved. And as we've walked through the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, we see that it points back to all of these saints in the Old Testament. And we've seen that the Old Testament isn't just a dusty history book, but it's alive for us today. It's not just a description of events, but it can bless us and teach us and train us in the same faith. And last week we talked about Abraham. Abraham was a heathen when God called him. He was 10 generations after Noah. He and his family worshiped other gods. He was married to a lady named Sarah and they couldn't have any children. They were unable to conceive. And he was still living at his daddy's house when he was 70 years old. And then God called him. Acts 7 said the God of glory called Abraham and he gave him three commands. Remember what they were. Come out from the land that you're in, come out from amongst your relatives and come out from your father's house. And he gave him three promises. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And God having appeared to Abraham, Abraham couldn't conceive of anything better than the God who had called him. He's like, I don't know where it is that I'm going, but I do know that I'm going with you. I want to be with you. And we talked about this last week. We're going to dig back into it this week because we got a lot to cover, but you can go back and listen if you would like. I'll, I'll be honest with you and give you a little bit of insight into my process on the sermon this morning. I did not want to preach out of this text today. I wanted God, give me, give me that Easter message. Take me to the book of John. Take me to Matthew. We need to go and have the Easter message. And I kept trying to reach over for that. And it was like trying to grab a vapor. I couldn't quite grab a hold of it. And see, I don't know if you know what I do is I wait on him. 
I read and I study and I pray and then I wait till he sets something on fire and nothing was burning. (laughs) Nothing was burning. I came home from work on Friday afternoon. A little bit stressed. Like, Lord, because, I, I, you know, it may, it's a lot of pressure for you to figure out what outfit you're going to wear on Easter. You know, we put a lot of pressure on that. Just imagine if you had to bring the sermon. <laughs> it's a little bit. And I shouldn't put that pressure on myself. And I try not to. And I told Kelly because she could see it on my face. She's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, it's so much going on tonight, tomorrow. And I don't have my sermon ready yet. She said, don't get overwhelmed. I said, amen. OK, you're right. And finally, he settled me on it. I said, Lord, you know what I do if I don't know what else to do? I go to the next verse. That's the great thing about teaching expositionally. You can just go to the next verse. It's like, if you don't show me what to do, I always go to the next verse. And when I went to the next verse, let me tell you, I contended for you. I held on for you. And he brought me an Easter message out of that next verse. And I'm excited to share it with you today. It's I'm excited. But there in verse 11, we meet Abram's wife, Sarah. It says, Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. So her husband, Abram, Abraham, had been given a promise by God. I'll make you a great nation. Your offspring, he also told him, will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And here's Miss Sarah. She's never been able to conceive. She's never been able to get pregnant. She's not had her and Abraham any children. And I believe, and I think we can know from reading the text, that that resulted in some pressure on her heart and on her life. There was some pressure there. She wanted to be a mama. She wanted Abraham to have a son. Why? I mean, multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons is in that day and in that time, that was your safety net. That was your social security. That was your future. If you had a child, you had children, they were the ones who took care of you in your old age and they had none. They had possessions, but no children. At that point, you get ill. Your servants may kill you just to get your stuff. So when I say pressure, that's what I mean. Have you ever felt the pressure to be something you were supposed to be? Something that you wanted to be. But you just couldn't seem to be. The pressure to be something that you were supposed to be or wanted to be, but you just couldn't no matter how hard you tried. Even in scripture, you read through it, you'll see the things that we are uh, needing to be. You need to be like this. You need to behave like this. You need to live like this. And if you read it by yourself, you'll see it and say, I want that. I want that in my life, but I just can't seem to bring it about. We've got these problems that we don't have an answer for, and it brings about some pressure on us. Went to a funeral service yesterday. And when you do that, you come face to face with one of our biggest problems, don't you? It's at some point we're going to come to the end of this. When we go to these services, we're reminded that we are not permanent. 
And I want an answer for that. I need an answer for that. I want to be with him. How do I get there? Pressure. Pressure. And so Sarah, just like we do, desiring the promise that she couldn't bring about. You know, we have in ourselves a desire for perfection. For everything to go right. For everything to be right, including us and everything around us. But we do not have in ourselves the ability to bring it about. I have to imagine at this point in her life, there was a little bit of frustration because the pressure was setting in. If it was going to happen, it would have happened already. What else can I do? But remember, this isn't the Sarah chapter. This is the faith chapter. This is the faith chapter. And it says there in verse 11 that by faith, even Sarah, by faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Now, if you're looking at this with me, you see that comma by faith, even Sarah herself, comma. And then it tells you something else. When she was unable to have children, comma. Now, when I read this, the Lord took me all the way back to an ACT prep class that I took several years ago at Bearden High School in the middle of the summer. And the French teacher was teaching us about English, which I don't know if that was a good idea. But I remember one thing out of that class. And she said that when you see two commas like that in English around a description, it's called an appositive. It's called an appositive. And it describes the noun that it follows. So that one follows what? Sarah herself. It's describing Sarah herself. But here's the interesting thing about an appositive. It's not necessary for the sentence. It's there to add information But it's not necessary. You could read the sentence without that being in there. By faith, even Sarah herself received power to conceive offspring. See how that worked? She said that those two commas on an appositive, this is the way you think about it, are like handles. And you can grab each one of them and you can just pull it right out of that sentence. And when I was reading this, I was reminded about that because I see that at the first of the sentence by faith even Sarah herself and then it's got the description of her which is also her problem when she was unable to have children and on the other side of it is her promise she received power to conceive offspring so see in our life we, we have a setup that's real similar we're here our promise is over here and in between us is the problem The problem was she had not been able to have children. The promise was on the other side, but she couldn't reach it herself. However, by faith, she was able to conceive. How did that? What happened? The promise reached through the problem to where Sarah was. She couldn't reach over the top of the problem to get to the promise. So the promise had to come to her. By faith, even Sarah 
herself received power to conceive offspring. See, then we got another one in there. Even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. The one who had promised was faithful. It was for her and Abraham, but it was not from them. They didn't bring it about. They had faith in the one that it was from, that he was faithful to do what he said he would do and bring to pass what he had promised. And it said she received. She received power to conceive. Now, one thing I thought that was interesting about that is when I looked at that word, every other time that word is used in the New Testament, it is not translated conceive. It is translated foundation. Every other time it's used, it's translated foundation. She didn't have that foundation, but then she did have one. She wasn't able to conceive, but the one who had promised was faithful. When she couldn't reach the promise, she received power to conceive. The promise reached back across for her. We saw it at the beginning of the book of Genesis when we went all the way back there. Remember, everything was good in God's good garden. And then sin came in, creating the biggest problem that has ever existed in all of human history. Our sin, our rebellion, our will over his will, our way over his way, our separation from him. In that, he also made a promise. So there was man... And there was a promise, but the problem was between us. And the promise was that he would put hostility between the serpent, the tempter, and the seed of the woman. And that the son of man would strike the head of the serpent and the serpent would strike his heel. Now, what they heard was there's the promise. We need to reach for it. We need to have us some boys. That's what we need to do. We need to have some boys. And they had two of them. And they thought, this is going great. We'll be back in the garden before you know it. Not quite. Not quite with Cain and with Abel, who they thought was the promise, the one that was going to reach across that problem. One murdered the other, and then we were back in the same situation. Not off to a good start. On and on and on, you see, through there, fall after fall after fall as we tried and we tried and we tried to reach across the problem to the promise on our own. We hear the promise, we desire it, and we can't reach it because there is a problem between us and our promise. But thankfully, like Sarah, the promise reached for us. It said by faith, she received. By faith, she received power to conceive offspring. Why was it by faith? Romans 4 and verse 16 tells us this is why the promise is by faith. So we ought to pay attention, right? That seems like it would answer the question. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it might be according to grace. To guarantee it to all the descendants... Not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of Abraham's faith, because he is the father of us all. So it's by faith 
that it might be according to grace, meaning you didn't have to reach it. You got it without being able to reach anything. It's by faith that it might be according to grace so that we can be like Abraham. We're not. He's not my great, 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 great granddaddy. He's not on my ancestry.com. But he's the father of those who believe. Believe that the one who promised is faithful and that he will reach across the problem to reach out to you. It's by faith that it might be according to grace. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. The promise reached for me. The Messiah came. The promised one. By faith according to grace. And listen, if it started with grace with Abraham and Sarah, it's still by grace. We can't reach the promise. The promise reached for us and his name is Jesus. Look again what it says in verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Again, when we read in Hebrews 11, we read about these saints of old, but as I've pointed out to you already, it's not really about them. You look back through all of these verses and it's about him. Even 11.1, he is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not yet seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by what? By the word of God. He was Abel's better offering. By faith, Abel offered a better offering than Cain. He was Enoch's walk that was pleasing to God. And then God took him. Right. Reminds me of the ascension. By faith, Noah, when he saw what was happening, built an ark to do what? Save his family. Jesus, seeing what was had, what had happened, stepped in to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to leave his father's house and go to a land that God would show him. Why? So that God could bless him and that all the nations of the world will be blessed through him. Who's that sound like? Jesus. And see, we could stop there and we could close and that would be good. But I want you to listen again to verse 12. Hebrews 11, 12 says, therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore from one man and him as good as dead came offspring greater than the stars of the sky or the sands of the seashore. Again, just like Sarah, we had a promise, but we also had a problem. The promise was we were going to get to be back at home with him. And the problem was sin and death stood in the way. And Jesus came. Finally, the answer is here. The Messiah has come. But then on Calvary, it looked like Cain and Abel all over again. 
Like we thought this was the answer. We thought everything was going to be right. And then here he is crucified. Our Messiah, our answer was dead. And Friday, I'm sure, seemed like the worst day ever conceived. The worst day that could have ever been thought of because the Messiah, the one had hoped for, the one that would bring victory, had lost and died even a death on the cross. The most shameful death, he died on the cross. And Saturday, it was quiet and nothing happened. Nobody saw any activity. Nothing went on. That was their Sabbath. What it was is he was resting in the grave because his work was finished. And then Sunday morning, it became clear that what he had done was he had grabbed both handles of our problem and moved it out of the way. He had pulled it out of our sentence It says in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and verse 14, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and that was opposed to us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. He grabbed our problem and he moved it out of the way. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of my iniquity and the punishment of the requirement of my peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. Through one man and him as good as dead came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. His resurrection on Sunday morning proved that his sacrifice on Friday evening was sufficient. He went down into the deepest way to the bottom of it and then came back. Because it couldn't hold him. It didn't get to keep him. God's promise was defeating our problem and moving it out of the way. Grabbing that positive that said, well, they who were full of sin and rebellion, they wanted to be with God. He pulled that middle part out of the way. He removed it from our sentence, the writing of requirement that was against us, that was contrary to us by nailing it to the cross. From one man and him as good as dead came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. And how do we receive it? Just like Sarah did. By faith, even Sarah herself. Who couldn't do anything to bring life was given the power to conceive life, was given the power to carry and hold life. And it's by faith that it might be according to grace. We can receive it by faith or we cannot. We cannot 
And we can leave the problem in the middle of us and the promise. But Lord, why would you want to? Why would you want to? How could we escape, Hebrews also says, if we neglect so great a salvation? We've tilted at this windmill for a long time. A long time. And we can't ever get across it. It's a chasm that we can't ever cross by ourselves. There was a problem between us and the promise. And we couldn't get across it. Any more than she could have a child in her old age on her own. But the same power that raised Christ from the dead can dwell on the inside of us. Amen. And not out of anything I've done to be awesome. It's by faith that it might be according to grace. Why? So that it's available to everybody. That's what Romans says. It's by faith that it could be according to grace that it's available to everyone. So that we can be one of those who from one man and him as good as dead shoot forth as offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you saw us as we were and you called us what we weren't, just like you did with Abraham. You called him out from where he was and called him to be something he could never be on his own. But you gave him the power. By faith, he believed that you were faithful to do what you said you would do. By faith, Sarah, who couldn't conceive, was given the power to conceive because she believed that the one who had made the promise was faithful. That when she couldn't reach you, you would reach her. And when Christ came, we see you reaching for us. We see his work here on the earth. We see his work on the cross. He said it was finished. Not I am finished. He said it is finished. And he went down into the deepest bowels of what we were afraid of and defeated it and came back victorious on our behalf, took that writing of requirement that was against us, all the debt that we owed in our sin, he took it away and he put it on himself, doing away with it forever. God, I thank you. I thank you that you didn't make it a popularity contest. You didn't make, make it a strength contest. You don't look at our talents or our abilities. You made it by faith so that it might be according to grace, which means everyone is eligible to come to you. Or more accurately, have you cross over to them. If you're far from him today, that's all it requires, is faith that the one who made the promise is faithful. That when he said he would take your sin away, he meant it. That when he said you would live with him forever, he meant it. That when he said in his father's house, there's many rooms and he goes to prepare a place for you. He meant it. He said, if it wasn't so, he would have told us. It's by faith that it might be according to grace. Father, as we celebrate our risen Savior this Easter Sunday morning, 
I thank you that we do it with glad and worshipful hearts. Everything that we do today, let us do it as unto you. Lord, as we gather around tables and eat together, I thank you that you are honored and glorified and you build our faith. That we'll never forget that it's you that moves the problem out of the way and not us. We cannot do it on our own. And so you came for us and we can rest, gladly rest in your grace and in your sufficiency. And that from one man and him as good as dead, you've brought all of us as offspring, as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. You will have your reward. And I thank you that we get to be part of it. Lord, as we leave today, Carry us in unity with one another. Protect us. Keep us safe. And as we go through this week, that we be ever more mindful of you, our risen Savior, and our soon and coming King. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.